0: Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts, Eric Molloy, Don McKinnon, and Sam Jimenez.
1: All right, welcome back to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. And uh, this is our one year anniversary and we are minus Sam, but we are in the field, literally. We are outside at Legacy Church on our basketball court recording this.
2: It's actually a nice day in Massachusetts, got to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, so I'm Don McKinnon, pastor of Legacy Church, and with me is my podcast partner, Uh, Eric
2: Molloy, pastor at First Church in Charlestown.
1: And with us on this anniversary episode, as we've our bellies are full from having a celebratory uh, meal, is uh, Mike Webb, who you will recognize as the voice of the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is true. Yeah, no, um, I'm Mike. I'm the worship leader at First Church in Charlestown. yeah, no, it's my first time on the podcast. I feel this is special. This is like a new moment for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one year, one year later. After I mean, it's your first time live on the podcast. It's true. I mean, if you've it's listened, true. you've heard his voice a hundred times. So more than a hundred. Yeah. Well, was, less or really, less. Yeah. Yeah, way less. 20, than that, but 23 times, maybe. So forty-six. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we're out here. I just actually preached at. I mean, if, if you follow us on social media, you'll, you'll, you can figure out when we're. Recording this, I just preached at Legacy Church this morning, and the reason Sam's not with us is because he is in Charlestown and, where he uh, preached. Where he preached at our <laughs> church. So um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's pretty much it. it's been one year. The, the one year recording just came up on my Facebook memories. So for all you millennials out there, yes, I use Facebook. I'm old. Don't judge. I had a MySpace. So yeah, that's what's up.
1: Yeah, well, we got we got we got our Facebook. We got our. Instagram. We got our twit- tweeter,
2: Twitter, Twitter. Let's be honest. All Twitter is used for is just to argue with people, anyways. Yeah. So. Well,
0: yeah. No, is, I, I I got a Twitter about two months ago to see what the hype was about. Also because my roommate has apparently been posting Mike quotes for the past year. Yes, he has. Um. What? I'm which, missing something. Cool? I. You know. And so, but no, I I will definitely confirm. Twitter is essentially, at at least at this point become, this it's just a platform for for ripping on people. So, pretty, pretty much. So, you know, nice and nice and constructive. I think charitable. that's why
1: everybody's going to Instagram. Because, I mean, you just put a picture and put a story and...
2: Gotta use your filters. My daughter's big on the whole telling me to use filters. No, so, oh, you know, yeah. I probably anyways, use the same filter all the time. I don't ever use a filter. I always feel like I should just hashtag unfiltered. Like all or is it unfiltered? Time. It's no
0: filter, right? Hashtag know. no filter. That,
2: that tells you I'm old. Mike's a, Mike's a millennial. Are you technically a millennial? I am. Okay. I'm either Barely. a
0: millennial or what, Gen Z. Gen Z. What's the Z. next one after that? Gen Z. I don't know when the crossover is. I don't know. I
2: um, don't...
1: The crossroad, The crossover is I think it's the year 2000.
2: So yeah. So my son, yeah. my, my kids are Gen Z. They're old Gen Zers.
0: Okay. So, all right. And, and that's you're, like you're actually
2: technically a millennial. Right. So... But yeah, yeah That's
0: that's not a word. That's yes,
2: not really it it's a micro generation. It, it, it's, it's
1: Because because what they say is like Eric and Sarah. Eric, Sarah and Natalie, right, they can they can um they can identify with both Gen X and
2: millennials. Right. Yeah. I'm an old millennial. I mean no, I I should I, nobody scale Am my own millennial. <laughs> not no, I mean on nobody's any <laughs> any cutoff that always has older has it younger than me. So I'm always a, a young Jet Xer. It's just how young of a Jet Xer I am. So, all right. So one of the things that we wanted to cover, and we know it's having talked to a bunch of other folks in revitalization and some listeners, we know that re, um, worship and revitalization tends to be an issue. And a lot of it is guys don't even have worship leaders. Yep. Um, I know that's, that's that's why one of the reasons I brought Mike out with me to here in, uh, in, in Sutton is that O'Don is between worship leaders. That's what we're going to say, between yeah. worship leaders. Um, and I know that's kind of a, a difficult um, task. And um, I feel for the most part, the worship wars have kind of been fought. And we've most churches have moved to some of this blended style um, with, you know, as, as much as we were picking on you, Mike, but as much as some of these millennials and then even, excuse me, younger, have gone towards... Uh, some tradition in worship, mm-hmm. and they like. I was talking to um, we had some pastors up, and we were talking about how younger folks tend to like churches that look like churches and churches that feel yeah. like churches, and so that's kind of and so you and that, know
1: that's something that like uh, Mark Clifton has talked about where he's taking people out of the the, the seminaries getting ready to graduate, and they're um, they're drifting more to an established church or a church in need of revitalization, and they love the building, whereas some people are like, oh, you gotta have the, you know, fancy new.
2: I love the voice that you always use whenever you mock. It's the same. It's the same vo- voice you always use when, you, <laughs> when your mocking tone comes out. It's, it's, it's funny. It's my
1: mocking tone. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's like, you know, they talk about that. But Clifton said he, he's seeing more and more guys go towards the uh established or or, uh, what's
2: the word he uses mid-century mid-century buildings buildings. so let's get a little background on mike so i started at first church in july of 2015 and mike you started
0: in well i started attending in september august august August, yeah yeah yeah
2: and played on the worship team in September like, no I it, it was, like I, was it was my second week so like yeah September. I showed up
0: and the 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 guy who was leading worship at the time was like hey so this is my freshman year in college I had just finished <laughs> orientation and I, I I show up and the guy's like hey I so you're a music major right I was like, yeah do you want to play on the worship team I was like uh, you've you've met me today <laughs> sir um, but it, you know, it was fortuitous. So I, I, I started playing on the worship team week two. Um,
2: and then by the end of the year, you became our worship leader. This is true. So twenty fifteen. So I joked about it today that most people who come to First Church don't realize that Mike and I came to First Church. We're not. Separately.
0: We're not a. We're not a package deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, it was
2: officially February right of twenty sixteen. But right for all practical yeah. purposes. Yeah. Like December 15th. So, um, awesome. So, with that being said, Mike has grown in our church as well as grown as a worship leader, and I, and I think he's got he's got three points that he kind of mm. wants to talk about when he comes. Because oftentimes <clears throat> in revitalizations, part of that is is the worship that you have to do as well. I, I at least with mm. our church, it was. Um, we just had a, some lady who played piano, and then I, we didn't really have anybody who led the singing. It was just kind mm. of ready go. So it was really awkward, and um, so anyway, so um, point number one.
0: Yeah. Um, so let me just preface this by saying nothing that I'm gonna say is revolutionary or new. <laughs> um, it's it's you know I right now I'm I'm an education major, and a lot of what we talk about is how you know best practices are best practices. And they're pretty much common knowledge, but there are some situations and some kids, if you're in the classroom, like students who don't speak English as a first language or students who are in some way involved in the special ed program, those students need the best practices, whereas a lot of the other students will simply benefit from the best practices. And it's the same thing in, you know, in in the context of the church. Any church will benefit from implementing a lot of these principles. Um and like I said, I didn't come up with any of them. Um I you know, this is all stuff that you can find in books, but this is kind of my three you know, the cliffs notes of what has been beneficial to me and what I've learned kind of through trial and error and <laughs> yeah. th- what, three yeah. years of of yeah. what am I doing? Right. Um so my three points, and they're kind of messy points, they all kind of blend into one another. The three points are teach the congregation, teach your team, and get people singing as soon as possible. Um, like I said, they kind of blend together, but um, let me. How are we going to do this? You want so me to let's just talk start about out? Teach your team. Yeah, teach your team.
2: Yeah, is that, what's the first one? Well, first thing? one is teach the congregation. Oh, sorry, teach the congregation. Sorry, sorry Don, I was stealing yours. Yeah, I know. So Come on. Let's, go, let's talk about Come teaching. So how, what, what do we need to teach the congregation? So
0: in a lot of churches, and I think first church included for a while, you just, the, the, the as leaders, sometimes we just kind of assume that people know things. Mm-hmm. You know, we assume that everyone knows. Oh, yeah, no, everyone knows what worship is. Cool. What, what, when we say the word worship, we you know we assume that people know what that means when in reality a lot of times people don't and that's that's you know that's that's okay cuz they've just you know a lot of people have just never been taught that you know i grew up going to church and i never once in my life heard a sermon or any kind of direct deliberate teaching on you know what is worship how do we think about worship what you know,
2: and is
0: I, is worship the music that we play on Sunday?
2: I'm actually about to say or, that. Yeah. Right, and I that's, think that's part of the problem. Then that leads to that kind of thinking.
0: Right, and mm-hmm. so so, I, I I just want to encourage you to, you know, any anyone listening to this, whether you're a worship leader, whether you're, you know, anyone in charge of the worship liturgical structure of your church as a whole teach your congregation specifically what you want them to know you teach to the culture that you want Mm. right and as a worship leader the you know the best way to do this is to just say things in between songs little short sound bites and take those sound bites well they've got to be sound bites that that actually have meaning and worth you take those sound bites and i'll i'll talk about that in a little bit you take those sound bites and you repeat them over and over right one of the things that i harp on a lot is the idea of worshiping in spirit and truth from from that passage in john what john four um you know, no. truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That was probably a gross paraphrase of what the verse actually says. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know exactly what verse I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. so so I, I use that verse as an illustration all the time to talk about how we need to engage our minds and our hearts in worship. Um,
2: well, it's like even, you know, even in preaching, they, they, they tell you is that you just keep teaching, mm-hmm. keep repeating yourself. Mm-hmm until you're sick of hearing it because about exactly that's about the time that right like, everybody else is starting
0: right so. it's the same thing it's the same thing you know when you're yeah. when you're a teacher in a classroom you know you gotta you gotta repeat things over and over mm-hmm. if you want your kids to get it
1: and i think i think you're right when you say that <clears throat> the people look at it like what you're doing is the worship part when the whole mm-hmm. service right. is the worship. right so like and then one, one thing I've trained myself, which I think you guys might have noticed today, was I said we're here to worship, and then I prayed, you know, Mike with the music and Eric mm-hmm. with the message, mm. so that they get that yep. understanding that the whole thing is worship. Right. You have to right. keep repeating yourself so people get it. Right.
0: And um, I so I, I talked about this briefly. One, you know, in 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 the vein of teaching, and teaching in between songs i i'm a natural rambler and i think a lot of worship leaders are natural ramblers um and you know that's 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 okay um but the time that you have up on that platform in front of the congregation is incredibly valuable Standing up in front of my church way too many times and just fumbling through a really awkward greeting and call to worship that was not planned whatsoever. Um, Eric makes fun of me about it all the time. Um, you know, my, my, my go to for a while was, you know, I'm just so glad that everyone is here today. And I sometimes I would repeat that multiple times within the span of one greeting. And, you know, I. There's nothing wrong with saying that, of course. But, like, it became my go-to. And the thing is, you wouldn't expect your pastor to just walk up on stage and wing a message. Um, And what I started doing was actually scripting out exactly what I wanted myself to say. Um, And then, of course, you have to practice not sounding like you're reading something off a piece of paper as well. So there's there's challenges there, too. Um, But... You take that time, you take that, you know, you take that liturgical real estate, essentially is what it is. That, that That's valuable time, and so you want to make the most of it. And you want to use that to help cast the, 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 the vision, help teach what, you know, all these things that you would assume that your congregation would know, but they usually might not. Um, and so, you know, a big thing is, so what is worship? But also the distinction between, you know, do we worship as consumers? Where we, as the congregation, watch someone else worship and that is our worship? Or do we worship as participants? That we are, we are all equally engaged in the worship Service and that that ties into one of my later points in encouraging people to sing, um, and you know a lot of times I, I I feel like due to the the predominant culture in America, a lot of American churches have have either you know they, they they've lapsed into this idea, you know unintentionally and probably well meaningly so, but lapsed into this this culture this idea that we're We're here to observe and we're here to watch and we're here to be fed, but not to, you know, but not to feed or we're here to observe, but not to engage. When in reality, that's, you know, that's not the picture of worship that the word paints. Um, And so, so, and, and, and so. You know, the consumer versus the participant nature of worship is something big that will take a lot of deliberate work to, 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 to work through and cast that vision. But also, another big thing is the role of emotions in worship. Um, I feel like a lot of people on this, and myself included, we've gone through phases. We've gone through phases. You know, it's a lot of people get stuck in the either or of emotions versus intellect. Right But you need both in your worship there, and it's a non-negotiable you need to have both an emotional response to who God is, the truth of the gospel and and the 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 revelation that He has provided for us that is that should be something that stirs up strong emotions in people, and I know you know different people are more naturally inclined to be heady versus emotional, but um
1: but now, let me ask you this. Like, Okay, musicians are naturally emotional
0: people. Yeah.
1: All yeah. right.
2: Um, and, I, I mean, Eric and I both are musicians. Uh, I, I w- I'd argue if I was a musician but, as much as someone who bangs around on occasion. But, but, well, you play guitar.
1: But the thing is, is we know that, like, it can become, I mean, for, for, for I guess for purposes, we'll say music is like a drug. Like, the, the music that's out there. There is stuff that like just plays into your emotions. It's easy to see why some churches might go for a certain type of music because it's playing on certain strings, let's say. I. It's, so it might not be mm-hmm. fulfilling theologically, but because it's hitting all the right notes, they might like that. So how would you... I know we. We're, we're, let's go into the second point. How would you do that with, like, a team? How would you train a team to? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. So so just real quick though, I want I want to speak to that. You know, I read this really awesome article, um, a couple months ago. I think it was by Bob Coughlin. I could be wrong. Um, one of those absolute, you know, theology of worship giants. Um, and it was talking about, you know, the the, the music we play in church. You know, everyone everyone likes to throw around the word emotional manipulation. It's kind of a buzzword in especially in more reformed circles as a pushback to some more modern styles of worship. But you know, it's it's important to, to, to recognize that God gave us music as a as a gift, as a tool, and as as something that is it's 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 very important to, to understand the role of music and how the brain reacts to music. And but but how we can use and potentially misuse music to mold people's hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with using beautiful, well crafted music to stir up emotions in people, but you also have to engage their heads as well. And that's that's the part that I think a lot of people miss, and then people overreact and completely take out the emotionality behind worship and go for no worship should only music musical worship should only engage your head Um and you know whether you're teaching that to your congregation or whether you're teaching that to your team you know the, the you just have to be very very intentional with making sure that people know that emotions are good emotions are valuable but emotions without Reason and emotions without a solid, well-defined truth behind them are just emotions.
2: Well, Matt Chandler actually makes a good example about that. I'll, I'll I'll just use it on mine. That that would be like, you know, if I went home today and I you know sat down on the couch next to Sarah and I told her, you know, how beautiful she looks, and which I you know she does. But then I complimented her big brown eyes and her flowing brown hair, which I mean I I can really be loving my wife a lot unfortunately my wife's blonde and has blue eyes so I might be stirred emotionally but just because I'm stirred emotionally doesn't mean that there's truth behind it I mean Mm -hmm. you know first of all guys I mean if I went home and told my wife she had big beautiful brown eyes I'd be in some serious trouble but I also wouldn't be I might have some stirred emotion but just because it's stirred emotion doesn't mean it's right I mean I think that's one of the things that you know I I think Mike that's kind of what you're talking about is Mm -hmm. stirring emotion but stirring it through truth. Right, and not through... right,
0: or or in the very least parallel to truth,
2: um,
0: because you know they're not negotiable. You need both, um, and that's you know you 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 make an inter- a really really good point there when you're talking about you know you and Sarah there um, because the, the church is the bride of Christ, and so you know if you if you only have either the strong emotions or you only have information. You know, you don't in either scenario. You don't have. You're not. You're not a spouse. You're not the the, the bride of Christ. You are the business partner of Christ. Mm-hmm. Or you know, like so. So, it's very important to have a well-rounded theology of worship to articulate that to your congregation and to your team. Um, and you know that's so important is the fact that it's non-negotiable you need both and um so that kind of leads me into um
2: which, which if we're honest, we we've we've wrestled with that oh yeah I mean, oh yeah you know this is a spectrum nobody's you know pointing fingers i mean i think it's a forever no. it's forever kind of a figuring it out correcting right. and oh we've gone too far let's make sure we're pulling it back right. and i mean it's something that we've definitely we've wrestled with is yeah. really the ones who lead the worship service at our church I mean it's really it's yeah. really on us
0: and you know I I can't stress enough the the power of music to counsel people to encourage people um and to unite people um and you know the, to 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 remove emotionality from your worship music entirely is you're 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 missing out on a really important part of what God gave us. Um, and so, you want to you wanna talk about the third point real quick? Um,
1: yeah, because we're, we're, we're running out of we're time. We're running out of time, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so, my third point is get people singing as soon as possible. Um, ties in with the consumeristic mentality that a lot of churches and a lot of people have started to lapse into. Um, but this is so important because not only is it the model of worship that you know the the the, the congregation led congregation centric singing centric worship has been the model of how the church has worshiped pr- predominantly for its entire history like yeah. 2000 right you know and here's the thing i i get into this trap myself the 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 trap of worship leaders getting you know obsessive over gear and over the arrangements of songs and over you know oh man, my guitar tone on this song sounds awesome, but and that's, that's all good musical excellence is good and should be advocated for but you might not always have a full band yep. on your worship team you might not always have instruments on your worship team you might, you know, none of that is a given but the one thing that is a given is the fact that you will always have the voices of your congregation you will always have the voices of your congregation. And if you neglect that single most important instrument in your church, you're you're, you're missing out. Um, and so, well, how do what, you...
2: Of our almost four years, we've not had a yeah. full band, yeah. the vast majority of Until, it. Until, I don't know,
0: three months ago, yeah. four months ago.
2: Wow, that's being generous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. About three or four months ago. Um,
0: And so so how do you get there is the question. How do you move from a consumeristic model to a participatory model? Um, There are a number of ways to do that. Scale down the number of songs you sing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I put out a survey to our entire congregation, which was small at the time, (laughs) Um, still is small. But I put out a survey, you know, And it was basically surveying people on how comfortable they felt singing in church. Um, And there were a bunch of questions. And one of them was, we do, you know, the, the number of songs we do is either too many songs, I can't sing along, not enough songs, they're getting boring, or just the right number of songs, you know, Goldilocks song pool, I can sing along, I can feel confident, but it's not stale. Um, and a lot of people answered we have too many songs and so I went okay how many songs do we have how many songs are in the rotation it was like 200 200 had that many there were a lot oh, wow i I, I wow. took stock of all the songs we had done over the past year and there were about 200 um and maybe at a big church you can handle that you know there's there's a book essential worship by Greg shear where he talks about how the average number of songs that a church knows how to sing if it's an established church is around 200. But if you're a church of 20 people, many of whom are either baby Christians or haven't been to church in a while, they're not going to know 200 songs. Um, And so I was like, okay, let's pare down the number of songs. Pared it down to 35. The engagement in worship shot through the roof because people were able to learn the songs well enough to sing them.
1: I was going to say, because our old worship leader, before he left, he had heard... Um, he told me somewhere like between 30 and four, uh, 30 and 50 songs is what a worship team should have
0: in their, in their repertoire. Yeah. 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 And again, that can change depending on the culture of worship in your church, how easily people learn songs and sing along. Um, and like I said, some churches can do 200. Ours is not one of those churches. Um, so smaller pool of songs. And pick your songs in accessible keys. And this is kind of a a spot of contention among worship leaders. Um, I'm part of a couple different discussion groups on social media, and this is a hot topic. Um, And there's two sort of schools of thought. There's the, we should pitch all of our songs within a more or less a one octave range and try not to go a whole lot above or below that. And that one octave range is kind of the average that everyone can sing along in with men and women singing an octave apart uh, and then the other school of thought is nobody has the same voice, nobody has the same voice type, you know you're going to have sopranos, altos, tenors and basses and then people who don't really know what their voice type is because they don't really sing that much um, and so usually alto or low baritone um, and so and 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 so the, the the implication of that philosophy is that you should just pick songs in whatever key will sound the, the make the worship leader comfortable and sound good. And there is a lot of merit to that. There are a lot of really awesome solid churches with great cultures of worship that do that, but if you're a tiny tiny church, that's not gonna work. Yeah. Um and I I held to that philosophy for a while and In conjunction with having 200 songs, it was like, why isn't the church singing? I'm telling people to sing. But you can't, if you're always doing songs, especially as the only worship leader, if you're doing songs in tenor keys and you have 200 of them, nobody's going to learn them. Um, And so pitching the songs lower and doing them more often is one of the most effective ways to encourage people to sing. Without specifically, explicitly telling people to sing,
2: and it's and also to be honest, it's definitely worked in our church. Yes. Oh yeah. Since you did that, there has been a big change. And the cool part is now the people in our church get more excited when people sing than they do how good the songs are, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, not or how good good the the quote unquote performances. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People are more like you look around in the in the congregation, and people are much more wow, this is cool. People are singing. and mm-hmm. I mean, that's even conversations I hear people have after the service. Man, that was cool. The whole congregation was singing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of, a, I, I think that, you know, it makes you feel like you're part of something that's greater, which, right. we, which you are. I mean, that, that's, that's right. part of being the church. So, yeah. And I noticed today, like, uh, you know, since we don't have
1: the worship leader now, but we've been doing kind of like video worship, like one of the songs you did today is a song that, has been in the rotation. It's something Mm -hmm. that the church has learned, but I hardly hear them sing it when the video's on. Like, I'll hear little voices. But then I notice you today, as you're up there leading, because there was that person, and because they knew the song, it Mm -hmm. was like, because I'm sitting back there today running running the video, I'm hearing them and seeing them sing. Mm -hmm. And they're engaged.
0: Yeah. And part of that, I think, one, having a real musician in the room, is always very helpful in encouraging people to sing. And two, the recorded key for that song, I know exactly what song you're thinking of, the recorded key for that song is half an octave higher than where I sang it today. Yeah. Um, and that's just because it it's a worship team from a gigantic church and they their people will sing along no matter what key you play the songs in. Um, but when you're building that culture initially, when you're trying to encourage people to sing, people aren't gonna wanna sing loud and as such, you can't really pick high songs. Um, but yeah no we I I pitched the song down intentionally pretty low and you know in a key that predominantly altos and baritones would have an easy time singing along in. Yep. And Baritone. it yeah, it 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 was effective, which was what I was going for. <laughs>
2: awesome. It was a good time today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. yeah it was really good well,
2: All right. I think that's uh, that wraps us yeah. up for yeah. this episode our um, anniversary episode anniversary episode woohoo yeah. don't worry we'll we'll do a bigger one when we can have cake next time yeah yeah, Ooh.
1: and, and it, we're, we're gonna we're gonna leave this and go record a new intro so those of you who have been asking why isn't Sam in the mentioned in the intro he will be there alright yeah, but uh, with that Thanks, we sure. will thank you Mike yeah. for
0: the it was interview. a pleasure
1: and uh we are going to say goodbye and uh, like us on Facebook, uh, give us a comment, uh, 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 you know, share, do, do whatever you can to get this uh, podcast out there to, to people
2: you, you think are going to benefit from it. Um, and if there's anything you want us to, to tackle in particular, send us, um, go on our website, you can send us an email, send us a tweet. Comment on Facebook. I mean, there's a million ways to get in touch with us. Just reach out one of those ways. We'd um we'd love to be able to uh actually discuss issues that we know um other people had questions about. So
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, That's Mm. pretty much it. (laughs) All right. So with that, we're gonna say goodbye from the field for the first time. (laughs) And uh we shall you've probably been hearing the rooster's crow, Peter did not deny Jesus today. (laughs) as we're going into Easter. (laughs) All right. right, Have a good one, guys. God bless. Bye-bye.